Our scripture this morning will be found in 3rd John. Now, do you know where 3rd John is? It's right behind 2nd John, which is right behind 1st John. So if you can find 1st John or 2nd John, you can find 3rd John, uh, which is uh, over toward the end of the New Testament. Uh, we are missing a lot of our fathers today, but this is a Father's Day message that hopefully they will be able to hear later uh, online. And then, of course, <clears throat> those who watch each week uh, on YouTube and on Facebook, uh, so hopefully it will be a blessing to them as well. Third John chapter 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I want to just talk pretty much from my heart this morning about the joy of fatherhood. We, we often talk about the hardships of fatherhood. We often talk about how difficult that it is in our society to be a father. And all of that is true, but I want to kind of focus in a little bit more this morning in this message just on the joy of being a father. Now, I, I fully believe there's never been a man who knew what it would feel like to become a dad before it actually happened. You, you can try to imagine what it's going to be like and I think the mother gets a head start on this because that mother carries that babe in the womb for those nine months before birth. And so that, that mom is already building a relationship with that child and already getting to know that child. But, but dad, uh, us dads, we, we don't get to do anything with that child until that child is born. So no matter how hard we try to imagine what it's going to be like, we're always going to come up short. There's nothing that provides an understanding of the feeling that comes with meeting that bundle of joy that first time. Now, that bundle of joy may also be a bundle of wailing and crying and, and having a fit when you first meet that baby also. But there's nothing that really compares us, prepares us for that. that. That first meeting... That's just the beginning of the many feelings of joy that comes throughout a lifetime of being a dad. Since I am a dad, let me share you just with you some things that stick out in my mind that I think will stick out in the minds of all dads. That the first time that little girl, that little boy grabs hold of your finger and hangs on to it, it's like, oh my goodness. When they do that, especially if it's a little girl, and she grabs hold of her daddy's finger, she immediately wraps daddy around that little finger. Don't you agree? I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, that, that little girl grabbed my finger. But not just the first finger hold, but when they start blowing bubbles. Now, back home, we called it driving the car. You know, and bubbles go everywhere. Is it okay if I blow bubbles up here? Can, can, can I blow bubbles? Well, Rhonda says I'm still a child, so I guess I could blow bubbles. But you remember when they first begin to blow those bubbles uh, or, or the first time you hear them laugh? That there's just something about a baby's laugh, the way that they can giggle and sometimes coo all at the same time that they're laughing or their first words. How many times do moms and dads argue over what the first word will be? First word's going to be mom. No, the first word's going to be dad. The first word's going to be 
and who knows what that first word's going to be. But when you hear that child speak for the first time, or the first steps, uh, you, you know, we, we practice with our kids to try to get them to walk. We're like, hold on to my finger, hold, hold on to this. And the first time they turn loose and take two or three steps before they face plant, because they almost always face plant, but before they do, it's the joy of, oh, look, that's, that's my daughter, that's my son taking their first steps. Just, just look at them, the way that they're taking their first steps and how that they are, are walking. And then there's always this thing about, oh, that, that baby looks so much like you. And then that's when pride comes in, right? Pride comes before the fall. But it's like, oh, I can see you in them. I, I can see the, the, the facial resemblance between you and them. And, and, and I mean, when a dad hears that, his heart just kind of grows and explodes and becomes full of joy. It's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, or then, then as they grow older, the activities begin. Anybody know about activities with children? Uh, yeah, you know anything about driving them here, driving them there, taking them here, taking them there, making sure that you've got that uniform, you've got that, that equipment, you've got that whatever. But, you know, dads always try to come off as being tough guys, you know, and the dads don't want to show emotions, and dads are always this macho guy, but... Under the surface, when that dad sees that little girl, that little boy play their first t-ball game or their first flag football game or, or when they begin to play an instrument for the band or when they join something at school or they do a play at school or, you know, the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, there's a sense of joy of looking at them and watching them and knowing that they are doing it. These activities may be sports, or it may be taking them fishing and, and watching them catch their first little minnow. Or they may catch a six-pound bass while you catch a little minnow. Or it may be going golfing with them, you know, when you have to cut the clubs off and little clubs about like that and watching them hit the ball. Or, or, or the joy could come from being with them when, when they start learning to, to read and the excitement of being able to pick up a book and read by themselves and actually understand it. I mean, it, it brings joy to the heart, or it brought joy to the heart of this dad to be able to do so. Me and Rhonda raised two children, Melissa and Philip, and they brought a lot of joy to both of us, not just to me, but to both of us when they were babies, when they were toddlers, when they were kindergarten, when they were in elementary High school, I'm not sure about the joy part of that. That might be another story for another day. <laughs> but time to get to high school, it, it's a whole different ballgame, right? Yeah, it, it's a whole different ballgame. But they, they brought joy to us. And, and with they being Father's Day, they especially brought joy to me to watch them growing, watch them maturing, and watching them become who they are. And, and they still bring joy to me. At the age of 68, and at the, their ages of 47 and soon be 44. Well, Melissa will be 47 later in the year. Philip will be 44 in just a few days. But they still bring joy to me as, as a dad to, to see what they are doing in life, to see their 
with Melissa to see her family, Philip was like, kind of like, I don't need a wife, I don't want a wife, I'm not looking for a wife. But, but the joy that comes from seeing him succeed in his field of work and to, to see what he does, and, and so, so the joy never ends. Uh, there was joy when they grabbed my finger the first time. There was joy when they took the first steps and spoke the first words. There, there was joy when I got to do these activities with them and watch them grow and mature in them. But then the joy continues on even into adulthood. And still, even at my age, it brings joy. And I'm sure for you, you're the same way. The joy that they bring to you just never ends. Well, for the, for the father who is a believer... There's hope of another joy. It's not just the, the joy of that, that physical connection, the finger holes and the laughter and the blowing of the bubbles or the sports or the activities. It's not just that joy because that joy has a limited shelf life to it. That joy will always come to an end for every one of us either because of a loss of memory as we age or either by the means of death, that the physical joys are temporary, they're fleeting, so we make the most of them while we can. But there's another joy that, that a Christian father is hoping for and looking forward to, and that is when that child, that daughter, that son, also embraces the Christian faith and becomes believers themselves. But when they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they sell out to Him, when they begin to live for Him and love Him, when they begin to be who God called them to be, that, that, that is a different kind of joy from the, the physical connection. This is a spiritual connection. And, and this is a joy that will last for all eternity. That, that spiritual joy that comes from knowing that our children are believers. And I'm thankful that both of our children became believers at a very young age. Uh, Melissa was only like five, maybe, four or five years old when she accepted Christ as her Savior. Philip uh, went through two different experiences. And the second was uh, I was already a pastor, and, and he called me into his bedroom one night. And he was like, I I'm just not sure. <coughs> and so I was able to talk with him and share with him about salvation on that night in his bedroom. And so I'm grateful that both of our children already know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they both live for Him, and they both want to honor Him in, in what they do. So, so this, this connection, this spiritual connection, this joy will be an eternal joy. The day will come when I will die. The day will come when they will die. But that spiritual connection will never cease to be. We will be reunited together in heaven. Now, what will that look like exactly? I don't know. I cannot explain to you exactly how that will look and what that will be. That There's a lot of unknowns that God just did not choose to give us about heaven, but we know that heaven is real. We know that all believers go there, and we will know as we are known. And so I believe that when I get to heaven, I will know them and they will know me. How that relationship will look, I have no clue. And I'm not worried about it because we will yet have that eternal connection through the fact of Christ and through the fact of salvation. Well, in this little short verse of scripture today, John is speaking about his spiritual children. When he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
John is not talking about his physical children. He's talking about his spiritual children. He's talking about those who have heard him teach and preach the gospel, those who have become believers because of his influence He's talking about those who not only have become believers, but they also have been discipled and they're living for him and they're serving Christ and doing what they, they should be doing. And so he's talking about the joy that he gets from those individuals and specifically from this one named Gaius. Not much is told about Gaius. Uh, all we know is that he was a part of the first century church. We know that he was a believer. And we know that, that John here called him beloved. He had a close relationship with him. He loved him. It, Gaius is living Christian faith so that not only John sees it, but the surrounding community sees it. Other believers see it, sees it. And so John is here commending him for it because Gaius has brought joy to his life. Because he's looking and seeing fruit for his labor of what he has done. The way he has taught the gospel and preached and witnessed fruit for that labor because these others are now believers. Well, as fathers, we should be longing for that very same connection. As fathers, we should also be longing for for see our children living for Christ, loving Christ, honoring Christ, we should be longing for that very same thing to take place so that we can say what John did, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, which would be physical children for the Father, but also spiritual children if they become believers, there's no greater joy than that my children are walking in the truth. That makes being a father that much better. Just knowing that we have not only the physical connection, but the spiritual connection also, and we are going to be able to enjoy Christ together. Well, if fathers need to do this, how do they do so? How do they help their children to be able to know Christ and what do they do so that this, spiritual connection is made between their child and Christ and then between the child and themselves, what, what is it that is needed? Well, I just want to share just from my heart what I believe is needed, that I, I think there's biblical basis for all of what I'm going to say. But number one, a father who wants his child to be one of these walking in the truth father must set an example in front of them. We, we talk a lot about uh, sports figures and, and politicians and, and business leaders that are role models for children. Parents, we should be the role model. Dads, we need to be the role model for our children. We need to be the one that sets an example in front of them as a good role model. And what, what all is involved in this? Well, just quickly, number one, we should set an example in how that we treat their mother. How a, a husband treats the wife, how that dad treats the mom, has a great impact and a great bearing upon their spiritual formation. 
There are children who come from dysfunctional families, and they come from families where the father has been abusive to the mom, the father's been abusive maybe to the child as well, but that, that father has belittled their, their mother and made fun of their mother and maybe hit their mother and ran around on their mother and done all of these things that leaves a bad taste in the, in the mouth of, of that child because the Bible God is our heavenly father, so they hear the word father, they equate it to the earthly father and the lousy, low-down, good-for-nothing rascal he has been. And so then they are afraid of the heavenly father because they expect him to be as low-down, sorry, good-for-nothing like the earthly father has been. So we, we have to begin very, as soon as that child is born, well, we should be doing so before that child is born, but dad should always be treating their moms with respect. Should always love them, honor them, be there for them, support them. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect at it. I mean, Rhonda is here, and she can tell you I'm a long way from perfect. And I've been a long way from perfect even in our relationship. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we just never are perfect, are we? But I hope she knows that I've always tried. It, and if we try, especially Christ being our helper, then we're going to succeed far more than we're going to fail. And so there, there's a great need today in the family that, that the dad sets an example by treating the mother the right way. Not only how we treat the mother, but how we treat our neighbors. You may have some bad neighbors at some point in your life. You, you may move into a community with good neighbors and then somebody moves and you get a bad neighbor. You ever heard of that happening? You might get a bad neighbor, but it's really hard to deal with. Not all neighbors are equal. Some neighbors can be obnoxious. Some neighbors can be destructive. Well, how do we re react to them as a, as a dad? Do we fight them? Do we become belligerent with them? Do, do we holler at them? Do, do we do bad things to them to get even with them? That child is going to be watching how we treat our neighbors, and we should be treating them with love and respect, even though they may not deserve love and respect. We should yet be treating them with love and respect. We should set an example by the way we treat the mother, the way we treat the, our neighbors, and how we treat those who disagree with us. There will always be someone who will disagree with us. You believe that? I, I mean, I, I love Chevrolets. No, I love Fords. Well, I'm a Dodge man. Well, I, I'm just going to disagree with you on that. I pull for Clemson. No, I'm going to pull for the game card. Just disagree with you on that. I, I vote Democrat. Well, I, I vote Republican. Well, we're we going to fight over that. Uh, I mean, we, we just disagree about so many things in life that it's not even funny to what we disagree about. And, and for some people, oh my gracious, if you disagree with them about their ball team, you disagree with them about their car, you disagree with them about their political affiliation, you make them angry. And sadly, they're believers who get angry because people disagree with them. Friends, especially dads, we have got to learn that people are going to disagree with us, but that's okay. 
How many people disagreed with Christ while he was in this world? How many people disagreed with John the Baptist? How many people disagreed with Moses and with Noah? How, how many people disagreed with all of the great men and women of the Bible? We're going to be disagreed with. How do we treat those who disagree with us? Do we still love them and honor them and respect them? Well, I'm not if they don't do me. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches that we are to love even our enemies. And Dad, we have to set that example in front of our children. So number one, we must set an example in front of them. Number two, dads, we must be involved in their spiritual training. For way too long, spiritual training in America has to a great extent been relegated to the mom. Now moms, I'm grateful for every mom who has done spiritual training with their children. I, I would never take away from you what you have done and I am grateful and your children will be eternally grateful also that you invested in them spiritually. But we do understand that the Bible teaches that, that the man is to be the leader of the house. And that's not just in making business decisions. That's not just in buying a car. It's primarily in spiritual matters that the man of the house is supposed to lead in spiritual matters. And, and living Christ-like in front of the wife and in front of the children and bringing honor to, to the Lord through all that he does. So how, how does a dad become involved in the spiritual training of their children? Well, some simple ways. Number one, read Bible stories to them. Don't, don't just let the mama do all the Bible story reading at night. Dads, you, you say, I want my turn. I want to read Bible stories to them. I want to read scripture to them. You and mom maybe even take turns. You and mom may... Make tag team together at night, but whatever. That, that child should know that dad will invest in them by reading just simple Bible stories to them. That dad, you should pray with them. Spend time praying with that child. When, when that child is troubled, pray with that child. When that child is upset, pray with that child. Just let that child hear you say the blessing over your meal. Pray, pray for that child to have a good day at school. Let, let them know that you're praying for them. It, it's great that mom does so, but dad, you need to do so also. We are to be spiritual leaders in our house, and so we should be praying with them. Dad should attend church with them. For way too many years, there have been those men who want their children to be in church, and they send their children to church with the mama but they don't go to church themselves, they stay at home. That is not setting the right example. That's being hypocritical. If you want your child to be in church and you want your child to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you want your child to hear the gospel preached, then you need to be in church with that child. You don't send that child to church. You go with that child to church. And when you do so, you're imprinting upon them the 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 fact that it's an important thing to do that, that you go to church together and you sit on the pew together and you spend time together and dad you should also discuss Bible truth with them a child is always going to have questions would you agree like why is the sky blue why is it that a 
black cow eats green grass, gives white milk. I mean, you know, they, they can come up with all kinds of questions. Well, if you're reading Bible stories to them, if you're praying with them, if they're attending church and they're hearing the gospel, there are going to be some questions they're going to have about spiritual matters. And Dad, you may not know the answer to every question. I guarantee you, you won't know the answer to every question. But you need to have a conversation with that child to the best of your ability about that spiritual matter. And if you don't have an answer, you can find an answer. You, you can ask the pastor. You, you can ask some, some older Christian that you have faith in. You, you can, now, nowadays, you can research online to your heart's content. You can Google. You can do duck, duck, go. And, and you can look for all of these answers. And, and you can just find some way to answer that child. But you, you need to do more than have conversations with them about golf or football or baseball or basketball or softball. You need to have more conversations than about fishing or hunting. You, you, you need to have some spiritual conversations with them also. Help them to understand that you think it's important as well and that you're going to do your part to help them, to teach them, to train them. We're, we're talking about fathers who receive joy from having their children physically, but more importantly, having joy from their children spiritually. How do we do that? Number one, we set an example in front of them. Number two, we are involved in their spiritual training. Number three, we must show genuine love to them. And when I say we must show genuine love to them, that includes even if their lifestyle is not what we want it to be. We need to love children. Even if they go against everything that we believe. Even if they walk away from the church. Even if they take on lifestyle that you don't think is right and godly. your children, you are yet to love them unconditionally. And why do I say that? My example for that, from Jesus Christ himself. He loved unconditionally. Even when we disobey him, even when we walk away from him, even when we disown him, he yet loves us. So we have to love our children with genuine love, no matter how they may end up and how they may live, because I guarantee you that hate will never win them back and hate will never change them for the good. Only love has that opportunity to do so. So how do we show genuine love to them? Number one, just by telling them that you love them. Men struggle with this for some reason. We have good friends back home. The wife said to the husband one day something to the effect that you never say you love me. He said, well, I told you when we got married, it hasn't changed. If it ever changes, I'll tell you. Well, they've been married about as long as me and Rhonda have. And hopefully at some point he figured out that it's really good to just say on a regular basis, I love you. 
I love you, I love you. And those children, uh, I know mom is going to say, I love you. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes dads are kind of like, and, and even afraid to hug. You, you know, those need to hear. Each one individually. You don't say, hey, I love y'all. I say, I love Melissa. I love them. And I would tell them that I love them. We, we, we Skype every Saturday morning, practically every Saturday morning, for about two hours, sometimes three hours, with and her family in Central Asia and up in Florida, and, and we talk about anything, everything. I mean, when I say anything and everything, I mean anything and everything. But before we finish that Scott call, you know the last thing that everybody says? I love you. I got up this morning with an email from my son saying, I love you. I had a text from my daughter that said, I love you. I hope that some of that was learned from the fact that I said to them from the earliest days, I love you. To be able to tell their children, even their grown children, I love you. Number two, sometimes we just need to listen to them. Now, that ain't always easy. How many times has, and I'll just use me as an example, how many times did Melissa and Philip come to me and start saying something and I'd cut them off before they could get through because I'm thinking about something else, got something else more important to do that I want to go take care of. You, you understand what I'm saying? Instead of just taking the time to listen and let them talk, let them share. To, to me, it might be minor and I'm like, Whatever. But to them, it may be one of the most major thoughts they've had all day long. So, so dads, sometimes just shut up and listen. Just, just don't say anything. Just let that son talk. Let that daughter talk. Just let them share what's on their heart. Number three, not only do you love them and listen to them, but you discipline them. Discipline is also a way of showing love. Now, when I say discipline, I'm not talking about screaming at them. I'm not talking about abusing them. I'm not talking about beating them to death. I'm just talking about simple, straightforward, Christian, biblical discipline. And a lot of that is simply saying, no, you can't do that. No, you can't go there. No, you, you don't have the permission to do that. And if you do, there will be consequences for it. And then following through with those consequences and helping them to understand that you're trying to do the very best for them by keeping them from what may be problems down the road and trouble down the road. Discipline is not bad. Now, receiving a discipline, it, it may seem pretty bad. How many of you ever got disciplined? Just, just raise your hand. You, you ever been disciplined? How many of you ever enjoyed being disciplined? Anybody ever enjoy being disciplined? 
If you'd have raised your hand on that, we, we, I was going to meet with you after service. I never enjoyed a spanking. I never enjoyed, don't you do that. I never enjoyed, I, my generation, we didn't get timeouts. So I can't say anything about if I would have enjoyed a timeout or not. <laughs> some of you youngsters maybe have had some timeouts. No, no. My mom and dad didn't know what timeout was. That, that, it was like, you did it, come here. We're going to take care of this right now. I didn't enjoy any of that, but looking back at my age, I'm sure it kept me out of a lot of issues that I would have been in otherwise and helped make me into who I am today, for, the, for good or bad. It helped make me who I am today. And, and then we tell them we love them, we listen to them, we discipline them, and then we pray for them and with them. As they walk out the door for school, pray for them. During the day, pray for them. When they're an adult, pray for them. Uh, numerous, numerous, many, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of times, I've prayed for Melissa and her family that God would protect them, that God would use them where they are, that God would give them favor with the government officials, that God would give them favor with their neighbors, that God would bless them in where he has placed them doing what they're doing. I have prayed for Philip on multiple occasions in the work that he does. Uh, he has done all kind of, I had all kind of positions in, in what he does there, defense contracting. Uh, I, I've prayed that he would be a man of integrity, that those who work with him and under him would know that he has their best interest at heart, that he wants the best for them, and that he will be a man of honor. And that he will never lie to them, that he will be truthful to them. I have prayed that God would work in his life spiritually to bring him closer to him and to lead him to where he wants him to be. They never get too old. But what you need to pray for them, Dad. You should always be praying for those children, whether they're one day old or 70 years old. You pray for them and you pray with them. You just pray with them. We, we didn't do so all the time, but th there were years that we sporadically did the family altar. I anybody in here remember when families had family altar? You know what family altar is? It's just simply a time in the evening that everybody sit down together and you'd read a Bible verse and talk about that Bible verse and, and then pray together. And again, with schedules and, and such, it, it was not something that we did seven days a week, right on and right on, but there were times here and there that we would do the family altar, the family devotion time, and hopefully today as adults, they remember those times, and hopefully that imprinted them, and, and they heard us praying for them, and we were praying with them at the same time. The joy of fatherhood. Being a father brings immense joy. By getting to be a part of our children's lives and enjoying life with them. And that joy is doubled. And it's not just physical, but it is also spiritual. 
And this joy transcends all ages. It matters not what age they are. I get as much joy from my adult children as I got from them as babes, toddlers, all the other age groups together. I get joy from watching them succeed. I get joy from watching them enjoy life. I get joy from watching them be who God made them be. So dads, we, we can't leave all of the spiritual to mom to take care of. Mom, thank you for doing so. Moms who will watch this later, thank you for doing so. But dad, if you don't do your part, you don't play your role, shame on you. That child needs to know that dad loves them. They need to know that he's setting a good example, that, that he is a part of their spiritual training, that, that he is with them. It makes a difference. America, it's in a mess. Oh, I have to tell y'all, you, you know it's in a mess. And it's not going to be cured overnight. But I think one of the medicines for America is when dads once again step forth and say, I will be a spiritual leader in my house. And, and I will follow Christ and lead my family to follow Christ. And together we will be a Christian family. That would solve so many issues in society. If we had a widespread movement of dads living like a Christian dad and being a Christian dad to their children, I trust that God will speak to hearts and lead men to this position. The future of America depends greatly upon Christian men, but even closer to home, the future of your children may depend upon you as a spiritual man. I would hate to get to heaven and find out that I didn't do my part spiritually with my children. I ask you if you would just stand right where you are with heads bowed. As I said, well, a lot of our dads are, are out today for various reasons. But for those who are here, number one, Dad, I want to pray for you that God would bless you and strengthen you. And, and Dad, if there's a spiritual need in your life, I'm going to give you a moment to make your way to the altar if there's something that you need to pray about, pray for, or me to pray with you. Lord, I, I pray for our dads today that you'd bless them, that you'd use them. For the dads who are here, if, if there's a spiritual need that they need to come to the altar about, now's the time for them to do so. In just the quietness of the hour, no one looking.